0: You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. One, one, two,
1: two, three, three. clap. <laughs> Let's do another one, two, three, clap right. and get on our way. All right. All right.
0: One, one, two, two, three, three. clap.
1: Thank God for Cam and his uh, awesome editing skills. He somehow figures out how to mend, or how to meld our two voices together. <laughs> yeah. I think that was a lot closer. Yep.
0: Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenge while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary.
1: Hey howdy, hey. <laughs> this is another episode of the Voluntary Vixens Podcast. I'm your host, Maddie, joined remotely by my co-host, Jesse. Hello? Hey. Happy Memorial Day weekend, Jesse. How are you guys celebrating your long
0: holiday weekend. Today my kids are out in the backyard with my at my parents house. They are p- splashing around in one of the pools back there and they have a little wading pool and just some sprinklers and they're just out in the sun trying not to get sunburnt right now.
1: Heard that. I'm trying to get to the pool today. I need to get some color. My pasty Irish skin is doing my Italian last name
0: injustice once again. Well, Maybe you're northern Italian. I am actually but Northern Italians look like Germans, almost.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. Triggered. I know. <laughs> I do have some actual German ancestry in me, but not very much. Anyway, Europe's a interesting blend of folks. We wanted to get started today talking about Memorial Day weekend. It's a holiday that, you know, a lot of people might be celebrating with some barbecues, some flag waving. I know I've got family members at the beach right now pretty jealous. I think I am so happy. I just had a week of work travel, hence the last episode. Jessie ran on her own without me. I was basically running around Texas and then Boston for a week. And yeah, so while that was super great, it was exhausting. I'm back. I'm glad to be back in Maryland. And also to do nothing this Mm. weekend. As little (laughs) as possible. Yes. The freedom to do nothing. Sometimes that's the best. Absolutely. I think you need it for your mental health. <laughs> I know I do. So there's a lot of ways we could go with this episode. And um, I'm pretty fired up today about it, having heard some recent news. And if you go to our Instagram and follow us there at Voluntary Vixens, totally random here, but we as an account got tagged in um, some Liberty Book Club challenge. And so I thought what was appropriate for coming into this weekend, our episode, and just one of the books that, and I should say essay, really, one thing that really opened my eyes to what the nature of the state was and is, is Rothbard's Anatomy of the State. So you'll see that that was my first post, called out our friends at uh, This Is MLGA, Make Liberty Great Again podcast, our allies and partners in crime. And when I say crime, I mean thought crime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: Uh, on that note, war is the health of the state. Mm-hmm. War is a racket. And it's just... It's hell. Amazing. It's amazing that um, we have this holiday that celebrates those who have died, which is noble, and bless their hearts and bless their intentions. And I don't want to say bless their cause, because the cause has generally been some dishonest and or manipulated truth quote-unquote from the government to get us involved in these foreign interventions across the past century and all it's led to is unnecessary deaths both on our side and the sides of these countries that we decide to involve ourselves in unnecessarily yep so pretty fired up i think i don't want to be one of those people that has to be the bearer of bad news all the time, or just a huge Debbie Downer or a cynic. Like, I'm actually an optimist, so it hurts that I have to sometimes be the only person in the room that thinks about war. But, (laughs) you know, people don't realize, like, this is such a serious holiday, and it's more than just the three-day weekend. It's more than the trip to the beach. It's more than waving the flag, singing God Bless the USA, and it's more than...
0: Some barbecues and
1: taglines, yep, and just false. I, I want to say false patriotism, yeah. Just because you're a, a quote unquote patriot does not mean you have to support everything that our government does, and whether it's at home or abroad, I think that's something that you know Ron Paul talked about a lot. Real patriotism is being able to question your government,
0: exactly. That's what our that's what the founding of our government was is our president wasn't supposed to be like a philosopher king that just ruled over everything he was supposed to be our public servant and we were supposed to question his judgment constantly and now we've gotten to a place where our government especially our president thinks that he or she is above our opinions of them and that they don't have to listen to us and i think that that's got to change amen i i get a lot of flack too like you do if i criticize our past presidents too I get asked all the time, like, do you even, do you even like any presidents? I mean, I could say probably in my lifetime, I don't think there we've had a good president. Every single president that we've had, their foreign policy has been god awful. I mean, it's been basically getting involved in things we had no business getting involved in. And it's been selling arms to foreign nations. It's been invading mm. other countries and creating animosity towards us, towards and not just us towards Europeans too, and they're pay. We're all paying the price for that now. I mean, how many terrorist attacks have happened in Germany and France in the past couple of years? Definitely. That's that's our that's our foreign policy. That's what we're doing. We're, just, we're creating hatred towards us.
1: And because Europe is closer and more connected geographically, obviously, to the Middle East, mm-hmm. they're dealing with a lot more ramifications than we are. We don't see as much of it on our own soil, but we have see nine eleven. That was blowback. They didn't hate us because we were free. They hated us because we were over there.
0: Yeah. we were. we'd been over there. We were killing their women and children, and they got sick and tired of it. So.
1: Yeah, not saying anybody on our side, like, as a civilian and a very ignorant, ignorant as bliss individual, anybody that lost their lives on that day, we're not saying that they deserved it or had it coming. But. Right. Every single action has a consequence.
0: That, but that is the, uh. When you create violence towards others, you are inadvertently putting your own family, your own life at risk because you don't understand you don't understand yet how that's going to come back on you. so no that's a good point. I think that time and I wish our, I wish that our uh, politicians could understand that and maybe they don't really think about it because it doesn't necessarily affect them, but all those people that died on 9 eleven Those people died because of leaders of our nation and leaders from other nations made a lot of decisions on our behalf that led to this. So there's probably multiple factors and I can't just say that it's all just that. I mean, I'm sure there's other factors involved in it, too, but you can't think that you're going to go into another country and invade and cause violence over there and that there's not going to be some percentage of blowback on you
1: what i don't understand is is it cognitive dissonance or just like a complete failure to understand how if anything that we did as a government and um like our military power appearing in other countries and acting like back like telling our people back home we're doing it for their freedom they will love us like they'll cheer for us in the streets are you kidding me like, that's insane. Could you imagine, say, Russia, who is everybody's uh, most hated country right now. Stupid. Like, let's focus on people like Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Qatar. China. Anyway, but, like, could you imagine, say, Russia was coming over here and decided to, quote-unquote, give us freedom. Give us democracy. Last I checked, everybody seemed to have, take really huge issue with the idea that russia had something to do with what happened in our 2016 election don't think it did but everybody's up in arms about that still years later here we are in 2019 and that's still the topic of discussion i mean it's can also strug about in the mainstream media because it's the shiny object that prevents us from actually looking at the real problems like saudi arabia qatar middle east and like just foreign entanglement and things we've done abroad
0: i mean we've literally we've literally propped up people in other nations before
1: it's like it's our job it's like it's a it's a pastime america america's greatest pastime isn't baseball these days it's putting up dictators in foreign countries that we like the country itself hates and then we're like oh well it's you know just not our fault that these countries are in turmoil mm-hmm. and absolute disarray and can't seem to qu- get up their quote-unquote SHIT together. Yeah, right. Um, it's not necessarily there's, lo- like you were saying, there's a lot of factors that go into the state of a country right. and its population and what's going on there but to act like we don't have uh, we don't have, uh, share some of the responsibility for the condition of name a place in the country, name a place in the world if we don't have responsibility for some of that then you're not paying attention.
0: I think the the big thing is is that I think we look like a big giant hypocrite when we talk about uh how we hate that Russia got involved in our elections and and then we sit back and we complain about that but then we forget that we pretty much propped up the Shah of Iran which that failed horribly. That's why Iran miserably. hates us. <laughs> yeah. And we wonder why Iran hates our guts. And then mm-hmm. do we for did we forget that we basically propped up the president of Afghanistan after we invaded and we were so proud of ourselves because look at all these women that are voting they their votes didn't matter are you kidding me we already knew who we wanted and that's who that's who got it so if anybody asked me again if i if there is a president that i even like i'm not that not one from my lifetime. There's only two that I can think of, and none of them were I was even alive during. So for sure, all, both the Bushes sucked bad.
1: Awful. They were awful. awful.
0: They were awful for our... I think that just in the recent times, we can thank both of them for our entanglements in the Middle East, for sure, Recent in recent times. But, you know, you can't sit back and, and say that Obama had no... Uh, that's a, that's what a lot of people say is that Obama had no, what was the word,
1: scandals? Yeah, scandals? no scandals when he was scandal-free presidency.
0: He was droning Give me a break. Pakistan and we weren't even at war with Pakistan, and the only reason why that got out is because people with really crappy cell phone cameras took pictures of what the drones did to their villages. Just look up. Awful. There's even a documentary it's about this. Just go to Netflix and there's a, a, a documentary called Drones and it, ha- it interviews people that were part of the drone program during the Bush and Obama administration. So I'm not just blaming this on Obama. The drone program started under Bush, by the way. But they talk about what happened under Obama in Pakistan and how just, like, why? Like a lot of these people ended up just being traumatized who were basically sitting in a desk and at home controlling these drones. They weren't even right there. And that alone, just knowing what they were doing to these innocent people, was traumatizing enough, the things that they had to see. And there's one guy in particular that I remember, he just, when he talks about it, he just gets like this glassy-eyed look on his face. You could just tell he's completely just shutting out and he's like visualizing what what happened during those times, and that's what we're Are you talking about—a
1: Pakistani. No, I'm
0: talking about a U.S. soldier. Uh, one of the soldiers yeah, involved. Yeah, that was they had hired these people that were, I guess, gamers, and um, they could they could uh, control these drones really well because it is kind of like a video mm-hmm. game. And this realizing being able
1: to disconnect yourself enough.
0: I think that's why they did the drone program because they thought maybe that'll be a le- less um, traumatizing to the soldiers, but it just wasn't.
1: No, I definitely think so. And, like, it doesn't seem like real war. Um, people have no idea that we were, Obama was at war every single day of his presidency. He was in office for eight years, and every single one of those eight years, he was at war. We were at war. And um, meanwhile, you know, he's, like, slow reading the news or doing cool things on late-night television. And yeah, that just... man was absolutely awful. In terms of uh, foreign policy decisions,
0: cool as a cucumber, and he was so presidential. Oh my goodness, so presidential. Yeah, he
1: was just so. So was Bush. Well spoken and smart. Bush Uh. was
0: so. Bush was also very presidential. The Bush Senior and Bush Junior. People called Bush Junior an idiot, but at the end of the day, people when we got Trump in president as our president, a lot of people were like, "Can we just get Bush back? He was so much better," because he was.
1: Oh yeah, no, because he was so much more likable. I was thinking about this yesterday, like, you know Trump derangement syndrome is a thing when people (laughs) on both sides of the aisle were, like, missing the bushes, or holding, propping up the bushes as if they were these great people. Are you kidding me? Those people are psychopaths. Oh my god. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I see that now. Like, I, of course, growing up, like, under, I was born in 1990, so I immediately basically had eight years of Bill Clinton, then eight years of. Bush, then eight years of Obama. It's like <laughs> I grew up in absolute worst some of the worst times I think in um American foreign policy history. I didn't have any idea about this until I got red pilled and started having to think about my blind spots. In particular, my biggest blind spot was foreign policy mm-hmm. and what are we doing abroad and why? And the why i found out is nothing that we're told in school or nothing that you might hear about Memorial Day weekend
0: commercials or <laughs> cheers or conversations normal people have. Well, I mean, do you... I don't know. Since you were born in the 90s, how, how old were you when 9-11 happened?
1: I was in sixth grade, and I was in Mrs. Jackson's English class. I can't remember. Did we watch it on the news? I think we all were tuning into the TV, and we saw that happen, and I remember we got on the bus to go home early that day, and it was the quietest that bus has ever been. All of us were looking at each other, sixth grade students, all of us looking at each other with nothing but blank faces, worry in our eyes that we had no idea what was happening or what was about to happen. We couldn't even have even imagined what was about to happen. But our bus driver had the new the news on, which was never like she never had that on she was always listening to crappy music but <laughs> all of us sixth graders were intently listening to the disastrous news of those towers getting hit and then those towers falling
0: well i was yeah, sixth grade i was in college i was in my senior year in college so i'm quite if you guys don't know i'm quite a bit older than maddie i was that was my senior year at the beginning of the year it seems like and i was in psychology class of all things <laughs> fitting yeah and I remember somebody came up and just one of the students ran up in front of our. our I remember our professor, we were just waiting for our professor to show up, and some kid came up, one of our students, and just said, There's been a car bomb. It blew up the to- Twin Towers and there's fire everywhere. And he was just like, obviously he got all the information just about wrong, but that just shows you like when, when news like that breaks and how just panic everybody was, people were on the phone with their loved ones that were living, that lived in New York. I know that there was one guy, his fiance was at, um, in DC. She was at the Pentagon and she, she was doing a literal, um, internship in the Pentagon at the time. So he mm. was panicked. Like you could just tell, like he was just like, I can't talk to anyone right now. I'm, i have to call my girlfriend. And I just it was it was just chaos that day,
1: no, definitely, and so, like one of the reasons that it was everybody was basically stone cold sober um where I'm from is because I'm from Montgomery County, Maryland, so that's right outside the d c area. so mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people that I went to school with and um grew up with whose parents either worked downtown d c just in a private entity or for the government, and so you know, a good deal of them were. Very, I could tell, very worried about their parents and their family members that might be right down the road and what kind of chaos was going on outside um,
0: our usual very insulated little bubble. But now when we think about 9-11, do we not think about a million different conspiracy theories?
1: Yeah, and I think that's another way to just cloud, like, what is actually important. So I think there's a good deal of purposeful misinformation, rabbit holes that may have been planted for people to go down and you know i definitely like to question everything and i still encourage everybody to go check out what is it 28pages.org or Mm -hmm. 28pages.com regarding the 28 pages that were released in the past few years that actually that were from classified documents and they have evidence of the ties to saudi arabia yeah and how it was them that financed those, uh, the hijackers and the connections that our government knew about. Knew about at the time, knew about before. hmm It's unforgivable. And so, like, with without even going down Conspiracy Road, there are plenty of things to question and be very speculative about in terms of what they told us yeah. happened that day.
0: I find it strange or a little funny, though, because I find a lot of people that are on the left, they really, they they are kind of conspiracy theorists when it comes to the 9-11 stuff. And they really want to blame the Bush family for st- for a lot of it because it was a Republican in office. And there's, we just have this god awful idea that Republicans and Democrats are on like separate teams. And, you know, <laughs> They're the same. I know, and they all work together. So let's just oh, they're all best friends. I just find that kind of odd. But when you but when um, Alex Jones gets on TV, it's like he's just a crazy conspiracy nut. I'm like, all right, we're allowed to have conspiracy theories. Are not necessarily a crazy thought process. I mean, if there is a gap in knowledge, information, and we have to, we don't have that gap. There, nobody's giving us that information. Our brains have to come up with that, especially when you're talking about something like 9-11 that was so horrific. We want answers. It's so
1: life-changing.
0: And we still, I mean, let's see, It's um, it's been uh, 18 years since, so mm-hmm. we haven't really gotten much answers since the day that it happened.
1: Nothing satisfying, at least. Yeah.
0: Our government still hasn't answered any questions.
1: And are the answers that are readily available, um, the public doesn't really care.
0: Or doesn't... Or believe. Because it doesn't add up. It's just...
1: It doesn't add up. It's... And or inconvenient to go look for actual truth or do your own research or um, think about unpleasant things. Believe me, I get it. Like, I've had to take breaks recently from uh, listening to anything political
0: because I can't stand it. Oh, I know. I did make this mistake of listening to a... If you guys ever listen to the Conspiracy Guys on on their podcast they have a whole bunch of different conspiracy theories and they have one on 9-11 oh there's the irish folks yeah oh my god and i love, love listening them. to irish accents it's just like they could talk about god awful things and it will be just come off so cheery and funny
1: <laughs> right <laughs> i don't I lo- yeah funny you think it's a joke and you're like oh my god they're talking about
0: oh yeah they're talking about <laughs> the people craziest. burning alive in a tower that's probably not funny
1: no, definitely not
0: funny. But it's just the that accent helps it go down smoother, I think. But uh, that, for sure, that episode had me all over the internet looking at different things that they referenced. And I was just like, wow, I'd never even thought of all this stuff. But it did, it highlighted more and more to me just how we, war is hell. I mean, we just don't want to put ourselves, our... our citizens through this and so we should at the we should try our government should be trying and it used to historically try to avoid getting us in these types of situations because i was just thinking world war one and world war ii i mean america was late getting involved in those wars and i think world war one was sort of it was sort of like the opening of the floodgates though because when woodrow wilson once he got involved he was trying to manipulate and control the whole the whole thing after that. And I remember reading accounts from different world leaders about their viewpoints on Woodrow Wilson and how he thought that he was a demigod, making decisions for all of Europe.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, um, good old progressive Woodrow Wilson.
0: Another president I don't like.
1: <laughs> oh, he he's probably tied for first place worst president we've ever had just because of the ramifications that we still see to this day and both internally and externally our idea or our opinion on foreign entanglements foreign involvement in wars we can thank him for world war ii in a lot of ways yes yes no he was a horrible man and horrible ideas and so anybody that still props that guy up you're just about as crazy as propping up the bushes yeah
0: (laughs) Anybody who likes to make everybody sit down and watch Birth of a Nation together is probably not a good person. I'm just going to say. And when it comes to the scene where the quote unquote black people, which is really just white people dressed up in blackface. Oh, in blackface? Yeah. Perfect. Are raping white women and him saying, oh, yeah, that's how they really are. That's probably not a guy you want to listen to on anything. I don't want his opinion... On anything. Like, even when it comes to coffee flavors, that's not going to be my guy. No, Nope. Let alone, like, uh, you know,
1: public education. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, he was not... Anything else that uh, he's responsible for, what we see today. That's a good point, though. Like, our country is a baby country compared to Mm -hmm. other nations in the world. And our founders were vehemently against foreign entanglements, intervening in other countries. I mean, it surely as power always does, corrupt, led to getting involved in other countries. And today, we're not really an American nation. We seem to be the American empire. And it's like, where are we not involved? Where are we not knocking on their door, demanding they bow to us? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And... We were never supposed to be an empire. An empire is what we seceded from. Um, an empire is what we fought a war and a bloody, bloody war for years to emancipate ourselves from.
0: Yep. It's kind of like the ring in uh, Lord of the Rings. It's just like that or the the throne of Game of Thrones. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, once you have that seat of power, it's like it just changes you and corrupts you. I think I, I would... No, definitely. And I think that corrupt people tend to seek that that power as well, so...
1: Oh, absolutely. That's why the people at the top of the food chain, politically, are all, like, the worst people imaginable. Yep. And it's just, like, you find out about shady stuff that they've been doing for years. Like, it's disgusting. Disgusting.
0: Yep. And then when you're talking about, like, World War II and, and all the things that, when we got involved, once we got involved, all the things that... Were put into place. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but after World War II, America and and England or the UK decided to divvy up the Middle East. It was the Pike Agreements. We actually had a different leader in mind for for Saudi Arabia before the, the Saudi royal family became the leaders, but who we had in mind got killed off. So we had to go with the Saudi royal family. So it kind of tells you a little bit just first off, when we think that all the stuff that's been going on in the Middle East and all the terrorist attacks just as a recent thing, it hasn't really been. It's kind of goes back to that. To that war. Because we just... And our intervention. Yeah.
1: Us trying to pick and choose our leaders. Us trying to... Well, we're trying to... A lot of the
0: people in the Middle East were... Were, we're the boss. Were, were migrant people, too. They were Bedouins. And they didn't have... They didn't need to have these lines of demarcation of like this is the this is Jordan and this is going to be Syria and this is uh Saudi Arabia and this is going to be blah 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 you know it's like we did that and then we said okay now everybody in this line is going to be th- this country everybody within these lines is going to be this country and it really created a lot of problems i mean especially when we created israel i mean Mm -hmm. The land of Israel was filled with Jews and Arabs at the time. And I think a lot of people don't even realize, like, when all of these European Jews moved to to Israel, they weren't seen as Jews. They were seen as Europeans. And that really pissed off the people that live there.
1: Now that makes sense.
0: That's also probably why there's constant problems going on in Israel, too. But if you talk about that...
1: Oh, God, yeah. If
0: you are critical of Israel in any way whatsoever, then...
1: And thus, you're an anti-Semite, yeah. and you hate Jews, and...
0: You might as well grow your, your weird right, little right? beard or, or your weird little mustache, and <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I think that one of the things that we just need to be aware of is that there's always going to be unintended consequences, so... Absolutely. And not just over there... But to our own troops, which is one of the things that, you know, me and Maddie were kind of talking about before we even got started was, you know, just what, what price that our troops pay when we get ourselves involved in a war that we don't need to be in. I mean, how many wars do you think that we've, in our lifetime, do you think there is a war that we really should have gotten involved in at all that we could not have figured out with diplomacy of some kind? I can't think of one that we really no. should have been putting troops on the ground for. no. Unless we would have, unless, I could, you could possibly make an argument that we could have gone to war with Saudi Arabia after 9-11, but that never happened. If we were to have gone
1: properly, or to the proper country responsible for 9-11, if we really wanted to retaliate, that's who we would have gone to war with, Saudi Arabia. Uh, that
0: would have, but I no, think I forbidden. would have been more in favor of that, because that would have actually made sense. But we went to made Afghanistan and... We went to Iraq. Iraq. And I... Only the re- Let's just... I think the only reason why we a, did that... Pick a
1: country to destroy. It.
0: Yeah, I think the only reason why we did that is because both of those countries are close to Iran, and we just want to have our troops close to that. But I don't still understand... I don't... I just can't justify in my mind why we needed to tear apart those countries. They, especially um, Afghanistan. It was already you Know just poor, and it wasn't much to it that we could really. I mean, we've if we pretty much blew through that and occupied it. And then Iraq used to actually be a decent country, a pretty modern country, even. And we just now we just turned it into a hotbed for terrorist activities,
1: definitely. And actually, thinking about the resources that go into war, besides money, like trillions. Of trillions of dollars like our military budget each year and then just the decades that we've been at these wars and been involved in these countries that are honestly like more hidden how long we've actually been involved than a lot that's discussed in the public besides the obvious resource of money it's the resource of lives and human bodies human people Mm -hmm. like individual people that we know and love and care for that have gone and either gotten dismembered or gotten mentally damaged for the rest of their lives or died died there or we could talk about the people that come home and kill themselves yeah the veteran suicide rate leads to about over seven thousand suicides a year of veterans alone yep it's because we're not fit to do those things to bring in a harry potter reference kind of make it relatable in that sense we talk about voldemort creating all those horcruxes and every time he created a horcrux to keep himself alive longer make himself more likely to be immortal it took like a soul ripping endeavor like killing a person to make himself live longer so okay yeah it's a fantasy novel but there are elements of truth to that story, and that's the reason it became so popular. You know, the idea of the hero, the protagonist versus the antagonist, it's all based in some kind of deep-seated truth within us biologically, like where we came from and how we started as storytellers. But so, like, if you think about what somebody might be forced to do in times of war, people who experience PTSD, it's not necessarily what they saw, It's sometimes, or a lot of the time, and you can probably uh, speak to this better than I can with your mental health background, but it's what they experienced doing themselves. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like having to to live with what they've done. Yeah. Afterwards. And we shouldn't be putting these people in places or situations like this where it's Mm -hmm. anti-human. It's antithetical to their nature, to their very being. Like being human is all about connection. Not about destruction.
0: I mean, just think about, let's say your your loved one, let's say a husband, the father of your children comes home from the Middle East after a tour in Iraq, and you're so happy to see him, and the kids are so happy to have their dad, and then, you know, you're, it's Memorial Day, you're grilling out, and all of a sudden he just can't be in the room. He starts getting sick. He literally gets physically ill. He starts to get really just angry when you try to touch him or when you try to talk to him or ask him any questions, he has to leave. You start noticing that he's drinking a lot more. He um, is staying up all night long. There may be even moments where he is talking about things like, like he's in that moment of war and he, like he's completely disassociated and he's in he feels like he's in that moment. Imagine that. Imagine seeing that because that's what that's what the wives and the children of vets see sometimes. I've, I've had vets when I was working in when I was working in the hospital as a therapist tell me that they can't go to grill outs anymore because the smell of burning meat reminds mm. them of the smell of burning flesh. God, that's awful. I mean, can you imagine something that it should be just normal for all of us and we should enjoy? It can't. They can't. I just got goosebumps. That's what we're doing to these people. That's what our government is doing to these people. The way I see it, our veterans, I think there's a lot. There's. I've gotten into some arguments with some veterans before about this issue because they think that I don't care or that I think that, you know, there's what they did was stupid. I don't think that at all. I just feel like maybe... Their brain has to think that what they did was noble and good because they have to reconcile with themselves all this all this trauma that they've experienced. And it makes it easier for them to feel that way about it. But in my mind, I just feel like we just traumatize these people. And not only that, we traumatize our whole family because now they're just disrupted from having a normal life. And then we also have to yep. th- think about you know the VA system too. I mean, every single every single person I know that's been active duty that's had which I mean almost every single one of them's had some kind of trauma. They say the VA just there's just not anything that they can they've done to really help them with the PTSD stuff, you know. no. they try to get them into AA programs or, or NA programs or something like that to help them with the drug addiction part. And there are some PTSD groups that they go to. But the therapy for PTSD is just so it's a lifelong thing. It's something they'll probably have to deal with the rest of their life, honestly. And they have to find a way to adjust to it. And most of the time they don't want to. I mean, they just don't.
1: And or again, it's just like there's no help to do so. And that makes me just think that God, that's like a band aid on a bullet wound, and it's trying to address symptoms uh, as opposed to getting to the root of the problem, which is our involvement abroad. Yeah. <laughs> that we should not be
0: doing. It is not normal to kill people. It is not, not normal to watch people die. It is not normal to watch not. building ex- explode right next to you, to watch your Humvee in front of you completely explode. It's none of that is normal and there's no way that we can just take them home and give them a bunch of pills and think that they're just going to be fine. No. And then that in 6 months they can go back and be re-exposed to all of that. That's my beef. Ugh. That's my beef honestly with all of it. It's not I mean some people get upset about like the flag worship and that they that we should they worry about the other people in the other countries and I worry about them too but I also worry about our own countrymen that we're sending over there and what we are exposing them to. I mean, something gets completely Absolutely. twisted in there.
1: And it's at times changed or people are altered beyond repair. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, whether they end up killing themselves, sadly, or it's just a lifetime of turmoil for them and their families. And the thing is, like, you know, we're not in a draft system anymore like people aren't conscripted conscripted to go fight in these wars it's voluntary at this point and it's really sad that many people are lied to and get involved because they think they have to that's their only option they want to get money to go to college and the prices of college education are inflated because again guess what government intervention mm-hmm. that's another episode entirely but it's just like yeah. <laughs> i i wish the questioning of our involvement was um more the forefront of these discussions, and I think Memorial Day weekend is a perfectly apt time to do so.
0: Well, and I think we have, we do have some people who are in our government that do question it, like Tulsi Gabbard, for example, and... Yes! I mean, I get... <laughs> I even get made fun of for this. with her
1: on a lot of other places, yeah. but... She is right on when it comes to foreign policy. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think, number one, she went to Syria herself to see what, see for herself how things are going on the ground. And talk to people on and the she ground. She was in the
1: army herself? Or... Yeah.
0: She enlisted yep. after 9-11, actually. And she, when she was in Syria, she got the opportunity to talk to Assad, the president, and kind of get his point of view, too. And she got that's what she got criticized for. Which is kind of similar to what, you know, Trump is getting criticized for talking to North Korea and Russia, their leaders, you know. But I think what she did was right. You know, you, you have to go to the source to find out what the problem is, to find out a way, a peaceful way to coexist with each other. You don't have to always, like, be in agreement with the person just to meet them, which obviously she doesn't agree with Assad and his regime. But... She felt that it, and I feel like she was right in this, in talking to him, you get a better understanding of what the conflict is and h- maybe how we could help with that. She's the only person right now that is running for president that's even considering that we need to get out of these wars. Everybody else doesn't even consider it.
1: And the Warhawk media criticizes her for that, but she's one of the only, she's absolutely the only sane Democratic candidate out
0: there. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm Only with you. One. I mean, she. I disagree with the. She wants. She is also kind of like Yang, who wants to do the universal basic income. She's talked about doing that, Ugh. and Medicare for all kind of stuff. I think that she's being a little lofty in her ideas on those. But anybody who is anti-war, I'm going to support them. I mean, I'm going to yep. support that idea a hundred percent because. The two big, big that issues. That is the biggest issue. Yeah, the two biggest issues for me is always going to be war and economy. If we are constantly and they go together because if we're constantly hand in hand, at war, we're spending a trillions of dollars on foreign foreign entanglements that we don't need to be in. That money could be spent here at home much better or just let people hold on to it in their own pockets so they can spend oh, yeah. it how Imagine they not want not
1: stealing it from people.
0: Oh exactly. my god. I know. Somebody asked me like what w- w- well, if we didn't get taxed, what would how would we pay for our schools? I was like you can go to whatever school you want to. If you had could hold on to your money, you could you might be able to afford a private school. You might be able to f- afford to pay for your your county's road improvements you might be able to build a new hospital you might be able to there's all kinds of things that you could do with that money
1: yeah no keep your money local yeah. <laughs> do not send it to washington where it gets used and given to the military industrial yes. complex yes but anyway keep your keep your money local and um, don't send it to these psychopaths whether they're in our own government or the governments abroad that are doing awful things awful things to their citizens
0: our military industrial complex is like the number one thing we spend our money on our taxes goes to that and then the second is like what is it
1: plenty of other things that we shouldn't be threatened at the point of a gun at the end of a gun to
0: pay for i would almost say that our that we probably don't know what a lot of it goes to but i'm sure it goes into the pockets of people in government i'm sure that's what it is
1: people that we don't want it to go to oh yeah it's not for the children don't let them
0: fool you. And I was just reading about how Justin Trudeau just gave like $5 million to a foreign national. Um, I don't even remember what it was for. And that's. Hey, Justin, that's not your money. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, why? But we're not any better. We do that all the time. Oh, all the time. Anyways.
1: But anyway. <sighs> i'd love to encourage everybody like i'm here not an expert i'm literally sitting in an armchair right now acting i'm not acting as if i'm an expert on any of these things but go support the people that are they spend their life's work and any free time that they have fighting for liberty and fighting for proper information to be out there i'd I'd say follow ron paul ron paul institute daniel mcadams scott horton antiwar.com bluerockwell.com gareth porter his excellent work on iran Middle East in general, some people that we know in our little network. Huge shout out to Will Porter, Kyle Anzalone. Go follow smart people that are pro-peace is really, I think, the most important thing.
0: You can criticize Tulsi Gabbard or Ron Paul on their viewpoints on their foreign policy, but I would say that you also have to keep in mind that these, both of those people, they both served in the military. They know firsthand Mm -hmm. exactly what they're talking about. They're not just anti-war because they're you know hippies and they just want to put flowers and rifles. They really care because they experienced it themselves. And and Definitely. Ron Paul got when he was running for president, he got more donations from military active and retired military active duty
1: military. Yeah. Yep.
0: So I think that's something that that's to say something. I think most liberals in general are anti-war. They just kind of forgot that they are. They especially... You need to remember. Yeah. I think they also forgot while Obama was in, pres- was in presidency because he was so charismatic. I'm not even going to lie. He was a charismatic dude. But those are the ones you need to be scared of.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Eh. The ones who can sweet talk their way out of anything.
0: It's like a dating... It's <sighs> kind of like dating, you know? It's like the guy who comes on really strong and the guy that you are most attracted to is the one you need to watch out for the most, probably. Definitely. Yeah. Whereas Trump is kind of like... He's... He's kind of not falling into that category, but he definitely is not, you know, anti-war either, so.
1: Well, the worst things about Trump is that he's continuing the terrible ideas and policies of both Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush 2, or Bush 1, I should say. Like, the worst things about Trump is that he's continuing all the worst ideas of these past presidents, and he was supposed to be different, and, like, they always say they're different, and then... What is it? Um, No matter what, you always end up with John McCain? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Who was it that said that? Anyway.
1: (laughs) I think that's Woods' law or Horton's law. Yeah. Again, follow smarter people than myself. See Tom
0: Woods. (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
1: We need to definitely wrap this up here. Um, We could go on all day about it and, like, pick a war. We'll have plenty to talk about because all we do is binge podcasts. I'll drop a few more. Definitely follow Tom Woods. Follow Brian McClanahan. uh, Dangerous History Podcast. I've actually met Professor CJ in real life. He's awesome. You reminded me of uh, uh, Dan Carlin's awesome work with the Hardcore History Mm -hmm. Podcast. Those are
0: serious endeavors. Yeah, you better set aside a lot of time. But if you really want to learn some history, Dan Carlin is the guy. Definitely
1: another nugget i'll drop and leave but everybody should check out the school sucks podcast they have an episode called conflicts without protagonists we'll put it in our show notes but i saw that i I listened to that before i went and saw the movie dunkirk Mm. that shook me to the core and i'll have to check it out i just grow more and more and i grow more and more anti-war every day yep me too because of example of truth bombs like that (sighs) so jesse why don't you tell everybody where they can follow us
0: see we are uh, we just talked about instagram we're, on, we're the uh, voluntary mm-hmm. vixens on instagram there's a voluntary vixens on facebook uh, we also are on twitter at vixens voluntary and then um i just started a patreon which i'm still trying to figure all that out but it's, it's going to be kind of like our twitter it's all it's uppercase v's vixens underscore voluntary zero one at patreon.com when I figure out more on that, and we'll probably put some more information on our Patreon account as I figure out more of what, how that works. Sorry, I'm not a tech savvy person. Either am I. So, on that note, huge shout out and thanks to
1: our team back in studio uh, Cam, Ryan, you guys are awesome. And hope everybody has a good holiday weekend. Sorry to sort of be the bearer of bad news sometimes, but we think these are important conversations that everybody should be having, not forgetting, and keeping ourselves saner, healthier, happier, and more alive. Yes. (laughs) That's my thing. I want all of you to be happy, healthy, and most importantly, alive. Right. So this is the Vixens signing out. Keep it sane. Keep it peaceful. Most importantly... Keep it voluntary. voluntary. Bye,
0: everyone. Peace out.